Welcome to A Solution Focused Life, a podcast for the serial procrastinator, the negative Nancy, the loose cannon. If you're tired of the self-help rat wheel, this is for you. Together we'll tackle life struggles, but in a new way. We're diving headfirst with real, immediate solutions. Don't think it's that easy? Well, you have the key to solve the unsolvable. You can live a solution-focused life. Welcome to A Solution-Focused Life. My name is Kenzie Gillette, your host. I am a licensed mental health counselor, a solution-focused therapist, and the owner of Libertas Counseling in Springfield, Massachusetts. We provide solution-focused and brief therapy for individuals who are navigating through a difficult life transition or separation. Um, We believe that people have the freedom to be better. This is the first podcast of A Solution-Focused Life, and I'm actually really excited about this. A little nervous, of course, but I think this is going to be an amazing thing for for my audience, and the more people I reach, I think that um, more people in my community are going to realize the the effectiveness, the usefulness of using a solution-focused approach to solving your life problems and navigating through these difficult times of our lives. Um, this is probably the, the start of something that's going to last for a long time. I have high hopes and high expectations for this podcast and as well as my practice of Libertas Counseling to grow and to reach people all across the city of Springfield, across the region, which is the Pioneer Valley, and across the Commonwealth, which is Massachusetts. And if we're being really brave or optimistic, I hope this movement of teaching a solution-focused perspective on life and solving difficulties is something that would spread across the entire country and the world. So yes, I know I am expecting things to grow. I know that it's a process and there are steps along the way, but I'm still excited to be here talking to all of you here. Now, I want to, since this is my first episode of A Solution-Focused Life, I think it's relevant and probably important to you. I hope that you, know, you want to know a little bit about me and my background and what really led me to be to be here and having this podcast. Um, well, first of all, I I grew up in a in a pretty big family. You know, my parents were born in Haiti. They immigrated to the United States in the eighties during the Reagan administration and they had seven of us. That's right. I am one of seven children. We were born in America, and I am the middle child, the exact middle. I have three older and three younger. So for for all of you middle child children out there, you probably you probably can understand some of the things that we'll be discussing over the next episodes of uh, a solution focused life. Um, it definitely has informed my view on the world and what I'm doing right now, being a middle child, and I like to say the extreme middle, seven kids. I don't know how they did it, but it was an amazing experience growing up in a big family and being raised in in an immigrant family. My parents, having not been born here, they had a strong worth ethic that they drilled into us from birth. You know, we were expected to do well, to do good. And also to, of course, to do things, you know, in in, uh, in service to the Lord. We were heavily, we were a big part of our church. We went multiple times a week and 
And it was not really until I finished high school and moved out to go to college that I appreciated the upbringing and being raised in a strong, strong in our faith. Um, so in, in, in a family that big, we all had responsibilities. We had to do chores, but my parents, because they were so hardworking and they led by example, really. In fact, my dad, he went to work and my mom went to school and she eventually became a nurse. And then when she finished nursing school and, and she started to work in the field as a nurse, my dad then went to school and he also got his degree and also became a nurse. And because they worked so hard for us, for all of us, uh, we each had to do our part to contribute to maintaining the house. Whether it was, of course, cleaning our rooms, but also the bathroom and the dishes and the, and the, the yard work outside. And we would get a small fee here and there. Um, I, of course, loved to uh, to make money. And me being the middle child, I, I'm analyzing myself now looking back. Me being the middle child, I like I wanted to stand out. I wanted some more attention. So I would try to do as many of the chores uh, and take turns of my siblings so I can get more money. I wanted to be... I wanted to have money. I wanted to show my parents that I can do great things. And I, I was very, very uh, motivated to succeed in that way and to stand out in that way. Um, so they really did lead by example. And, you know, we sure, we complain like all kids do. But coming from a big family where we know, we know that resources were not plentiful, my parents gave us everything that we needed, not always everything that we wanted. And living and growing that way, we we grew to accept the realities of life that things didn't just grow on trees that people had to work hard for the things that they wanted and certainly our parents showed us that by, and led by example and going to college at Pace University in New York uh, I, it took me a little bit of an adjustment being on my own but I learned a year and a half into school that I needed to work hard in order, to, in order to get the results that I wanted and knew that I could get. So I ran track for all four years, my undergraduate uh, uh, experience. I got my degree in psychology, and then I went into graduate school. And within that, within graduate school, I got married. We had our first child, me and my wife. And then a year and a half later, I had my second child. And I'm finishing up graduate school a master's degree in mental health counseling. I have two children, married, and I'm working a full-time job as well. That was a very difficult time in my life because at that point, I felt like sleep was a luxury, and I just went from work to school to home and back and forth as, as often as possible. And I survived it. I survived it. And, and at that point, I'll tell you, along the way, while I'm in graduate school doing all those difficult things, I wasn't sure that it was worth it. I'm being very honest right now. I there are nights where I thought to myself, in the middle of a paper that to do next day, I'm thinking, do I want to do this? Is this effort really worth it? And I thought of quitting many times. I really did. I really thought I was walking away and just working my job that I have right now, and and that'd be enough. Um, and it was my persistence that I can't say came from within me. I I have to believe it came from from God that he kept me going and of course came from the support of my wife that I kept going and I eventually finished it. And by that point, the hard work that I put in most of my life and, and definitely in graduate school, it paid off pretty quickly. You know, I started applying for jobs to be a therapist all across the country. And I, all I knew is that I wanted to work in the field of mental health with my degree. 
and I had applications out all over the country in California, in Texas, even applied to a job in London, and of course in Massachusetts. And I was called for an interview. I was living in New York at the time, and I drove up to Massachusetts for an interview. And we spent maybe five minutes on my resume and the next three hours talking about everything else but my resume. And I knew I wanted to be here to in this state, and I, and I moved up here three weeks later. So I took a risk. You know, I, I, came, I drove three hours for an interview. We talked about everything under the face of the sun. And then three weeks later, we are living in Massachusetts, me and my wife and two kids. So talk about taking a risk, talking about expecting, uh, uh, just having faith that my decision was going to be fruitful for us. And we took that leap together. Around that same time, I was offered a job to teach. So I had, I just graduated that year. It's 2013. I'm graduating with my master's degree in mental health counseling. I am looking for a job at the time. I get called on a Friday night by my, my psychology, my mental health counseling, the department director from Pace University, and he calls me on a Friday night on my cell phone, and he says, and he says hey, Ken, I have, a, I have a question to ask. I need a favor. And me, not really knowing what he's going to ask, I said, sure, what's going on? And he said, I need you to teach a class. Now, I've never taught a class to that point. You know, I've run psychological therapy groups. I run I run mock groups in 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 class as I was in school, but I've never taught in a class with a textbook, with a captive audience of students, and I did kind of hesitate because I was kind of nervous. But I knew I don't know how quick that that process that thinking process was in my head, but I thought, oh my god, teaching is not something that comes along to everybody, and it's an opportunity an opportunity that I may not want to waste. So I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. You know, I didn't exactly go in there with full force and being super excited, but I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So at that point, he said, okay, Ken, don't say anything else. I'm going to hang up right now, and my assistant's going to call you in five minutes. He basically didn't want me to hang, he didn't want me to, want me to backtrack and, and withdraw my agreement. So he hung up pretty abruptly, and then I got the call, and I got set up for that class, and that class started that following Monday. So... That I, that fell into my lap. In fact, the opportunity fell into my lap, but I I had to be willing and confident enough to do it and to be successful. So all that happened where I started teaching an intro to psychology class, being in front of of a whole a bunch of eighteen, 19, 17, 18, and nineteen year old students that are expecting me to be an expert on psychology, and I'm teaching this class. And while I will say I can even think back and remember how scary it was being in front of that class of students and I remember being really hot and sweaty I can I can just just imagine what I look like but I remember being really hot and nervous and sweaty and of course it's got easier since then and I've been teaching ever since so it's been about five years to this point where I've been teaching at Pace University teaching different psychology classes uh, besides intro to psych and so I, I started teaching I moved to Massachusetts, and I still kept teaching in New York at Pace University, so I'm doing both those things, and as I got more in, more involved in the field and being more, becoming more confident in my abilities and, and learning about actual therapy, aside from just the textbook, but really seeing how mental health and mental illness affects people in their daily lives, I, I, I started getting more involved in my community in Springfield, and I started talking to more, more people in different organizations, and I started 
paying more attention to to local politics and how politics affects my patients, um, and then that was really what pushed me into getting into uh, getting involved with politics, local politics, and and volunteering and helping different different people and different causes. Eventually, I decided to buy a house. You know, things were pretty good. I'm working full time as a psychotherapist in Springfield. I am an, an adjunct professor at Pace University, um, and, and I was liking where I was, and I, and I was liking the community I was in. So it was about time that we bought a house. We ended up buying a house in Springfield, and we started putting down roots pretty quickly. Um, I got involved with my daughter's school in, in their PTO, the parent-teacher organization. In fact, I became president, and I, I, I was that for two years. And, and as I got more involved in my community, because now that we have a house, and now that our kids are in school, I wanted to make sure that, that any change that took place in the community was to the benefit of my kids and my, my, my neighbors and their kids. So I eventually ended up running for city council. I, I ran for city council 2017 in Springfield in, in my ward, in Ward 2. And though I wasn't successful in getting elected, I was I was blessed with opportunity to meet so many people I would have never met otherwise. I met so many of my neighbors. I heard firsthand from them about some of the struggles that they experienced growing up when they were younger and now the same struggles that, that, that their children are facing. So that was an amazing experience and learning so much about the rich history of my community. So to this point where I am right now, you know, I started, as I was working as a psychotherapist in Springfield, I wanted to reach people in a different level because I think most therapists, they come to a point when they realize that meeting with their clients for 45 minutes a week is pretty limiting because so much happens when your client leaves and they go home. And and it feels like we're almost like running in circles where they'll come in for a session, you would help them out, you would send them packing with some a set of tools, and then they'll go back home to their, to their environment and the tools will either be ineffective or they'll just forget them or they'll just give up. And then they'll come back the next week and we do it all over again. And I recognized that pretty quickly and saw the the limiting uh, ability of simple problem-focused mental health counseling and, and how it didn't help people to be motivated enough to solve their problems. So I started First Chance Life Coaching. It was a life coaching agency. No, wrong. It was a life coaching practice made up made up of me where I wanted to reach people in a different way. I wanted to focus more specifically on their goals and I wanted to help them develop a concrete plan, an action plan that would help them reach that goal. And I didn't want it to just be a 45 minute a week session. I wanted to reach them wherever they were at. Whether it was at a school, whether it was at at their job, whether it was at the football field, wherever it was. And I wanted to, to reach them that way and help them. Um, I, you know, I can say this right now because so much has happened since then. Um, I didn't put in the effort to grow that the, the practice of first chance life coaching. Uh, I mostly had two or three clients at once, and eventually, over time, I as my clients left, I didn't seek out new clients. I didn't put in the effort, the required effort, and the capital needed to grow that practice. And I kind of came back just to the problem focused mental health counseling. And when I say problem-focused, that means that most types of therapy, like cognitive behavioral, um, psychoanalytic, you know, all those types of therapy, they focus so much on the problem. 
The patient comes in, expresses the problems, you ask more questions about the problem, you dissect the problem, you try to find the origin of the problem, you, and, and the problem is the main focus of treatment, and you try to get rid of it. And, and, and that method of, of counseling, I've heard from so many, so many of my patients, they've said they're tired of talking about the problem, they're tired of talking about the trauma, they're tired of going, about the, going over the same difficult story over and over again, they just want to move past it. And they've told me that so many of the therapists have insisted that they speak about the problem. Um, so recognizing that, and, and I did stop, I did end first chance life coaching, and I started doing therapy full time again, and I, Pretty quickly, the same feeling I got before that led me to start first chance life coaching. The feeling of, you know, this is not helping them the way that they need to be helped. This is not helpful focusing on the problem and dissecting it and, and re-experiencing the trauma or whatever it is. So I started looking into other methods and I started looking into solution-focused methods and techniques. And then as I, as I looked at the solution-focused techniques, I started looking at the solution-focused perspective and how how practitioners of mental health would use that to serve their clients. And the difference between a solution-focused approach versus the, the problem-focused approach is that we, in a solution-focused approach, you're looking at what is the desired outcome the patient or client is coming in with. You know, one of the first questions you ask is, what are you hoping to achieve? What do you want the outcome of this session that we're having right now to be? What is the preferred outcome how would your life be different if your outcome happens? And, and that approach is amazing to me because as I research more about it, as I watch videos and listen to documentaries, not documentaries, I listen to uh, uh, seminars about it, I realize this is something that kind of resembles what I wanted with first chance life coaching. I didn't want to just simply go back on the hamster wheel of talking about the problem, sending them with nothing and doing it all over again. Solution-focused therapy, focused on their desired outcome and created the framework and a blueprint that would show them this is how we get to the desired outcome. And a little offshoot of a solution-focused approach, I started looking at solution-focused brief therapy. Brief therapy, you know, because so much of, of counseling and a problem-focused approach, therapy can take a year, two years, three years without much change. And if you look at some of these treatment plans that are made for, for some, of our, some of our clients, it doesn't look like there's a real end in sight. With the solution-focused brief therapy, the focus is on immediate steps towards their desired outcomes. And in fact, we focus each session as if it is the only time you're ever going to see the client. So because of that, you want to make sure that you focus squarely on the solution and their desired outcome and what they can do right now to make steps towards it. It's an amazing thing. I've seen it in action. I've used some of the skills myself. And now with Libertas Counseling, which is which just, which just opened in November of this year, it is going to, uh, it's going to allow people to come in who are going through a difficult transition in their life, either with a separation from a marriage or from a job or with their kids living home. It's just a difficult transition, and we are going to focus on their desired outcome, how they want their life to be, how they can make immediate steps towards that desired outcome. And 
most of my clients are going are, are only going to be in treatment for one, two, or three sessions because again, each session is being treated as if it is the only time I'm going to see them. So if we can create the blueprint for their desired outcome and that allows them to take immediate action, one session could be enough. It could be enough for them to have the motivation, the expectation of success, and the confidence to go and shape their reality. So that's what brought me to, 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 uh, to being here and starting this podcast. I've blogged before, writing a few articles. Um, I have posted videos before, all this under First Chance Life Coaching. But now doing a podcast is not something that I've, I've done before. And while I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I love the platform, I love the, the ability to listen to a podcast while you're driving, while you're working out, or even while you're laying down, I think this is a, a good avenue, a good way for me to reach people who want to learn more about solution-focused brief therapy and how to live a solution-focused life, how they can use some of the skills, techniques, and the mindset of solution-focused brief therapy to navigate their world, navigate transitions, and to, and to to really be in the driver's seat of their of their future. I hope to bring in some guests. I'm certainly going to bring in some of your questions. And also, I'm going to try to make everything that I talk about applicable to you, and I'm hoping that you can use it in your daily daily life. So I want to leave you guys with a skill. I also want to do this. Okay, so just keeping in line with the fact that I want you to take immediate action, I'm going to leave you with something that you could use as soon as this podcast is over. All right, so my one of my favorite parts of solution-focused brief therapy is the miracle question. I'm sure you've heard of it before. If you're if you, if you're a mental health professional, you probably have heard it before. It's the miracle question. All right, so take a listen. Imagine tonight you go to sleep. Just like every other night, you get ready for bed, you lay down, you close your eyes. Now, while you're sleeping overnight, something amazing happens. A miracle happens. That miracle is all the difficulties and all the problems that you've had before you put your head down, they're magically gone. Your problems, your concerns are gone. Now you wake up the next morning and keep in mind, the miracle happened while you were asleep so you don't realize it happened. How would you know going throughout your day that the miracle had happened? What are some of the signs that you would see that would suggest that something was different or things were better? I want you to go through each moment every day and identify what things would be different. Not only your interactions with people, not only your perception of problems and situations, but just how you feel, internally how you feel. The more detail that you can give about how you would know that your problems are gone, the better. Because that list, that detailed list, that detailed explanation is your blueprint. That is the blueprint for you to live your desired life. Because you can start doing those things. You can start having those experiences right now. And by doing that, your desired outcome will be realized. Now this question is well used in solution-focused brief therapy. Because it highlights the important, one of the most important facts that I believe and that is that guides solution-focused brief therapy. 
It's the belief that everybody has within themselves the natural, innate ability to self-improve. The natural ability to, to uh, set their own goals for the future and to achieve them. I wholeheartedly believe that in all parts of my life, people are amazing beings. And if they simply had the confidence, had the opportunity, and had the mental freedom to dream and to make and make choices that lead them to their goals, then there's nothing that's impossible. So you guys, thank you so much for listening to my first podcast. We have so much more to come. I want you to use that miracle question and I want you to try it out and just make your blueprint for your successful life. You can check out my website, libertascounseling.com, and you can, you can get some more resources. You can get you can read some of my articles that I've posted. And also, you can learn about upcoming information and up, upcoming dates for Libertas Counseling as we start to grow and expand. So many more opportunities will be there for you to learn and to grow personally as well. Guys, take care. Like me on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter, Libertas Counseling. I'm Kenzie Gillette, owner of Libertas Counseling in Springfield, Massachusetts, where you have the freedom to be better. Take care.